Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober, right here on Green Earth Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore on Green Earth Radio. We've got a great show for you today. Our guest is Peggy Sutton of To Your Health Sprouted Flower. Plus, our desserts will tell you how to live appropriately in the upcoming week. But first, let's go to our appetizers and find out what happened this week in the world of real food. Earlier this week, a processing plant for the Central Valley Meat Company was shut down after an undercover video revealed its abuse of animals. The plant provides 30% of the meat to southwestern fast food chain In-N-Out. In-N-Out has since cut its ties with the meat company. While I'm glad to see a feelout like this shut down and In-N-Out distancing itself from the company, I'd like to see In-N-Out switch its supplier to a farm that's 100% grass-fed beef. Also, last weekend, people protested outside the Capitol over the government shutdown of lemonade stands and raids on small farms. The protests were led by the activist group's Raw Milk Freedom Riders, and Lemonade Freedom Day. Last year, three people were arrested on Lemonade Freedom Day, but this year, no one was handcuffed, which has been attributed to a larger number of people showing up and more media coverage. It's wonderful to hear that nobody was arrested for protesting. I support what the activist groups are fighting for and hope that their message will be heard. Next, the Missouri-based Morningland Dairy remains shut down after the raid on the West Los Angeles buying club Rossum Foods last year. The cheesemaker is currently in the process of appealing the judge's ruling. This is another case of farmers being allowed the right to sell food to consumers. For more on how you can help Morningland Dairy's appeals, go to the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund website at farmtoconsumer.org. Also, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration sent a federal warning letter to several dairy and meat farms in California saying that there were unacceptable levels of drug residue in the cattle that were sold for slaughter. None of these farms are ones where the cows are raised on grass or the milk is unpasteurized, and it's because of reports like these that I avoid factory farms. Finally, officials in Washington, D.C. are asking Congress to serve tap water instead of bottled water at the presidential inauguration. I support tap water over bottled water as water bottles use oil and contain BPA. The presidential inauguration, going water bottle free can be a great way to get the word out about not using these wasteful and harmful products. And now for our main course, which today is sprouted grains. As one who advocates eating naturally and also eating a diet rich in fats, people often assume I'm anti-carbs. This is not the case at all. I'm against heavily processed carbs from refined white flour, but I'm all for what I call real carbs. Real carbs are foods that remain close to what they started as, such as potatoes and corn. Another type of real carbs are sprouted grains. These are grains that are given time to sprout instead of instantly being ground into flour. These grains are the least processed. Whole wheat and even whole grain are still ground early on before their nutrients are developed. Sprouted flour can be used to make anything, from bread to pizza to desserts. Here to talk with me about sprouted flour is Peggy Sutton, owner and founder of To Your Health Sprouted Flour, the premier sprouted flour and sprouted grain company, which sells many different varieties, including the ones for people who have gluten intolerance or allergies to wheat. Peggy, it's great to have you here. Great to be with you. Thank you so much, Aaron. Absolutely. I've loved your product to your health. I mean, you have so many different varieties, and certainly you've become very much um, admired by a lot of people in the real food movement, specifically in the Weston A. Price Foundation, for what your company does. So it's wonderful. Thank you. So now, how did you first get involved with Sprouted Flour? Um, well, I was uh, trying to take better care of myself, and decided I would dig through all the information that was available to see if I could find some truth uh, as far as nutrition goes. And um, I stumbled upon Sally Fallon's Nourishing Traditions book, and it was about the time that the Western Price um, Foundation was founded, maybe, um, maybe a year later. So I kind of feel like I've grown with them, and um, I fell in love with the sprouting process. And was just fascinated and um, 
made some bread from my first little batch of sprouted wheat and never looked back. It was a, I was just astounded at the uh, difference that the sprouted flour, uh, how it reacted in my body um, compared to, say, you know, a loaf of grocery store bread. It was amazing. So then you've been with the West Nashville Price Foundation pretty much since the start of it or close to that. Um, yes, yes. I have stayed uh, very much connected with them, and uh, my company has been a sponsor of their annual conferences and in other ways as well to support them and now the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund as well. Wonderful, yes, and you're talking about Nourishing Traditions, which is, is a great cookbook and also just a great guide of overall learning what foods are right to eat and just kind of an overall guide of the truth about certain foods, the truth about right. fats and oils. It's, it's a wonderful primer for anyone wanting to understand nutrition. It is, and certainly flour was a big part of it, talking about how there's traditional flours. And I think I think that's great about it is that it has a lot of foods which we're accustomed to eating growing up, but it tells us how to make it in a natural way. So it's kind of, there's not really anything you have to give up. It's just learning a different way to make them. Um, yes, uh, correct. Um, you know, in, in today's world, we've kind of gotten away from um, making our meals from good, nutritious food because it's so readily available, already fixed for us. Uh, unfortunate, unfortunately, the nutrition in um, most of the foods that you find in the local grocery store are, you know, far from being healthy for us. Right. So now earlier I gave certainly why I like sprouted flour, or part of the reason. I mean, obviously there's a lot more. So what is it um, that specifically that you feel sprouted flour is the best type of flour? Um, well, sprouted flour, um, I, I kind of said a while ago, I, I couldn't believe the difference it made and how my body reacted to it, and that's for several reasons. Um, the easiest way to say that or to explain why sprouted flour is so different is because it's so easily digested. But there are several reasons for that, and one of the main ones being that during the sprouting process, there's an amazing amount of energy produced because... Um, you're taking a dormant seed and turning it into a living organism or a plant from the seed. Um, so all of the starches in the grain, or most of the starches in the grain, are broken down into simple sugars. And what that means is it's just changing the form of the carbohydrate so it digests more like a tomato, not a potato. Wow. It's going to bake bread with sprouted flour. So it burns its energy, and um, your pancreas is not having to work so hard to digest um, sprouted flour. And, of course, the sprouting also, with the um, energy that's released in the sprouting process, there are a lot of chemical changes going on. Um, So enzymes are produced to start converting those concentrated nutrients in the dormant seed into... um, nutrients and minerals and lots of antioxidants that our bodies can uptake that otherwise they would not be able to do in the dormant seed. So there's just a plethora of, of advantages to eating foods made with sprouted grains and flowers. Absolutely. And another thing about sprouted flour and certainly a big part of nourishing traditions is the title says it all, that it's about traditions, about eating traditional food before our society became so processed with these factories and you know, refined into the white flour. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of sprouted flour and about how we moved away from it and became a lost practice? Sure. You know, there are actually manuscripts um, that have been found that go back to about 3000 B.C. Um, that actually talk about the sprouting of grains and other other manuscripts that um, come further uh, into present day, and of course there are several um, biblical references to sprouted grains, and we know in our history books and medical journals 
the stories about um, sprouted and fermented grains that were used to prevent scurvy um, because vitamin C is um, one of the nutrients that increases in the sprouting process, you know, eight and tenfold. So there's just a huge history of the advantage and the nutrition involved in um, sprouting and all the wonderful things it can do for us. Then along comes the Industrial Revolution, and cities began to form very quickly all over this country especially. I'll I'll speak about the West here. Um, And so the old time-honored way of storing grains in the field or or even in barns um, that caused them to to sprout because of precipitation um, all of a sudden there was a need to get the grains out of the field very fast they needed to go through a drying process and they needed to be able to store them in large amounts around these cities that were forming the combine was invented, these drying machines for the grain, and, of course, the huge silos that you see um, all around on farms and also at milling companies. You'll see very large silos of grains. And what they want to do more than anything else is to prohibit that sprouting because um, that can damage their uh, supply of making in what I call industrialized bread um, because with the sprouting in an environment like that um, you've got a lot of mold that happens and so the time-honored tradition of eating grains that have been sprouted kind of fell by the wayside because now it's how fast can we make the flour and how fast can we make the bread and how much stuff can we put in it to keep it from molding and be able to ship it out as fast as possible, as far as possible. Um, and unfortunately, it's it's taken its toll. Uh, so what we're doing at To Your Health is going back to the old time-honored tradition, knowing how nutritious it is to sprout the grains before making flour. However, we are doing it in um, a highly controlled uh, technical environment. So... We are using to our advantage technology in controlled environments, but we are um, going back to that time-honored tradition of supplying very nutritious grains and flowers by sprouting. So certainly flour is another thing that was changed by industrialization and became less healthy. I mean, it sounds very similar to when we moved into these feedlots away from raising animals on the pasture their entire life in the farms because started bringing feedlots into cities or also related with that of moving into pasteurization. We moved away from raw milk because the problem was the raw milk was getting contaminated as it wasn't being done on farms but was being moved into the cities. So it sounds like certainly flour has a very similar case of what happened with other foods. Yes, it does. Right, and now certainly... um, there are a bunch of different types of flowers, because um, I know you sell some of the more of the ancient grains, such as spelt and other ones like that. Can you tell us a little about the difference between the types of some of the grains that you sell? Sure, I'd be glad to. We actually have 18 different grains and legumes now that we sprout and sell. Um, we do have we do sell spelt. It's very popular. It's um, considered an ancient grain it is a variety of wheat but they call it an ancient grain simply because it hasn't been hybridized like common wheat has it's more of an heirloom grain Uh, we also have kamu which is another wheat variety that's considered an ancient grain and has not been hybridized and a lot of people who maybe have a, a wheat sensitivity can handle the kamu and the spelt better and you can also still make beautiful yeasted breads um, with the Camus and the spelt. Um, We have five grains that contain gluten. And as a matter of fact, the majority of what we sprout and sell are naturally non-gluten grains. 
So our gluten grains, of course, are wheat, and we have red wheat and white wheat, and we have the um, barley, kamoo, and spelt, and rye, I'm sorry, so that would make six, wouldn't it? And then our non-gluten grains, um, our new biggest seller, which is a new offering that we've only had for a few weeks, are the sprouted rolled oats, um, because now you can have granola, you can have oatmeal, and you don't have to soak it. Um, so we have oats and quinoa and amaranth and brown rice and yellow corn and blue corn and buckwheat groats, sprouted buckwheat groats or buckwheat flour. All, all of our products are offered as sprouted whole grains if you want to just cook them or mill them at home. Um, and then we also offer the fresh sprouted flour. We also have millet. Um, let's see, I kind of lose track of everything. We have amaranth. <laughs> well, it's a lot to keep track of. And lentils and garbanzo beans. And I think maybe I have covered everything. All right. Well, certainly a lot of great ones to cover. Um, keep track. And that's wonderful about the oats. So it's sprouted oats, which is nice because I'm sure as myself and other people uh, in Weston may price into traditional food. We certainly know about the process it can take to soak the granola. I mean, the, um, the soak the oats like for making things such as granola. That's a big thing I do. So certainly, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sprouted oats. Yeah. That's wonderful. It, yeah, I love granola, and it's so nice to know that I don't have to soak and then dry the oats. You know, they're sprouted now. They're rolled. You can pull them out of the package and mix your granola. Oh, yeah, me too, and it's, it certainly also has a different taste. I mean, Ray, I think you can kind of taste the oats more with, without them being soaked. They're just sprouted, so it I love does. that. You know, the sprouting, takes the, yeah, the sprouting process takes the bitterness out of all of the grains. And, you know, like with the, the red wheat, um, you get that fabulous sweet taste. The white wheat is uh, has a lighter taste, especially if you've got children that you're um, you're trying to con- convert to good, healthy bread. The hard white wheat flour that we have is fabulous because you get a, a lighter color, you get a lighter texture and a lighter taste. And then, of course, the spelt is very nutty, and the Camus has a fabulous buttery flavor. I love to make crackers with the uh, sprouted Camus. Right, I love the spelt flour, and a friend of mine who is allergic to to flour, or I guess to wheat, she says she can actually handle spelt flour. And now you also sell just a typical uh, sprouted wheat. So, what is your thought about the hybridation of wheat? Do you think if it's sprouted, it's safe to eat? Um, sure. I, um, and I guess you're asking about the hybridation of wheat. And if you stop and think about it. Um, now, of course, there's a difference in um, hybridizing something as opposed to genetically modifying it. Right. You're splicing the genes in one case and hybridizing, you're cross-pollinating. And if you stop and think about it, I was thinking about it the other day, um, you know, I'll get my organic seed catalog every spring, and then usually I get one about this time of year for fall crops, and they're always featuring new varieties of tomatoes or lettuce or, or peppers, and that's all because they are cross-pollinating and hybridizing. So most of our foods, I would think, um, are hybridized to some degree um, simply because of all the different new varieties that are offered in uh, seed form. Um, not to mention what maybe the bees are doing in cross-pollinating um, some things, but, I, you know, I don't know the science behind that. Um, however, you know, we've all developed uh, sensitivities to different foods and things in our environment, and it's due to um, a disadvantaged environment, whether it's chemicals or processed foods, um, so, you know, I always say to my customers, and we'll get calls, well, you know, I'm celiac. Um, can I eat your sprouted grains? And I'm like, well, that would be something that you have to determine. And 
for anyone who has a sensitivity, um, if it's a starch sensitivity, you probably can take the sprouted grains very well. I have two celiac customers. They said that they have done without bread for years, and they are able to enjoy bread again using the spelt, um, which you know does contain gluten as opposed to one of our non-gluten flours. I think just like we're all different on the outside, um, we're all different on the inside. And I'm very careful to let people know that it, you know, you're going to have to test your sensitivity. And I always encourage them just to start with a very small amount um, of maybe a couple of different sprouted flowers and see if they have a negative reaction to them. Absolutely. Yeah, you have a lot of variety, so I mean, I think for most people, they can find some. If it's a celiac, they can try ones. And that is interesting about the spelt that actually people with celiac can handle, which maybe it is something more about the sprouting than the gluten itself. That's a good point you brought up earlier about the difference between genetically modified and like hybridized or crossbreeding, as I think it's also described as, because as in California, we have coming up the Proposition 37, which is requiring the labeling on GMOs. And with that, a lot of people have been asking about the whole thing about wheat and like why that's not been mentioned on one of the, on one of the things they bring up where like soy, corn, canola, cotton, those have all been genetically modified. And it's because it's explained in Wheat Belly that it's not genetically modified, it's crossbreeding, which has, has some be opposed to it. Like I believe the author of Wheat Belly is still opposed to it, but um, our good friend Anne-Marie Michaels, who does the blog Cheese Slave, she recently talked about this in her blog, about saying why she's not opposed even to, uh, to modern wheat if it's sprouted, is that she says humans have been crossbreeding crops since the dawn of agriculture. So this is, it's not like it's harmful. She says antibiotics are a lot more harmful than whatever modern wheat will be. Right. And, you know, and again, we are talking about hybridization as opposed to genetically modifying. Um, and, you know, we're an organic facility, and I'm very thankful that now one, um, that, you know, that the organic certification is still uh, fairly stringent, and, and I hope they're not going to have to... Um, change or cave into anything, but one of the requirements to get your organic certification is that you can prove that you have no genetically modified um, foods in whatever you're manufacturing. So we go back to the farmer because what we're bringing into our facility are raw grains, and then we're sprouting and drying and milling them in our facility. Um, the temperature in Alabama is is certainly not conducive to good um, bread making wheat quality. Um, so we get most of our grains from organic farms in Montana and Minnesota and uh, the Dakotas. So we can trace back to the farm, um, and everyone has to be certified. Even the farmer has to be certified organic in order for me to get my certification um so i'm very pleased that uh and i hope that 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 stays so that in order to be certified organic you have to prove that you are not using any genetically modified ingredients in your food establishment oh i certainly hope that stays the same too because that is a big issue of with some of these farms with genetically modified crops of them flying over so I'm certainly glad that the organic certification process requires you to verify that it is all organic. And that is a good point to bring up if anyone's concerned about the whole crossbreeding of wheat, that if it's organic, I mean, yes, there's crossbreeding, but it's all it's all by combining grains that were all or- organic and not, not genetically modified. So they're all from nature. Right, right. So that's, a, you know, that's another... Uh, advantage for people trying to figure it all out if they're shopping at the grocery store or local health food store if it's certified organic um, there should be no genetically modified anything in that product right and speaking of that now your your health sprout flower is found in some stores what are some of the stores so far that sell specifically like say ones in the california area 
Okay. Um, in I know in Los Angeles, uh, um, there's a large market, Erewhon. Mm-hmm. They carry Wonderful our product. Um, and we are a, we've been a Whole Foods market vendor in the southern region for a couple of years. And um, we're just opening up as a vendor in the southern Pacific region. So that's going to cover, um, I think there are 47, 47 stores in the Pacific region. So that's going to cover a great deal of California. Um, and we are, are working on filling an order for those stores right now. So we should be in the Whole Foods market stores out your way um, before the end of September. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and we have um, hundreds of mom-and-pop health food stores across the country um, that also carry our products. Right. I know one of the stores that carries it is up in Berkeley, well, Three Stone Hearth. Got a favorite little shop in the neighborhood. Um, you know, you can give us contact information. We'll be glad to contact them to see if they would be interested in carrying the products or just ask them to give us a shout, and uh, we can help them out. Right. And, and, of course, you can buy on the Internet as well. We have our website at organicspreaderflower.net, culturesforhealth.com, sell our products, amazon.com, and localharvest.org. Right. And I know one of the other stores where it sells it is Three Stone Hearth up in Berkeley, Jessica Prentice's store. Right. Right. And now is that is that right. a store that's open to the public or is that a buying club? Three Stone Hearth? Yeah. Um, I believe it's open to the public. Uh-huh. They have um, they have a retail store as well as their traditional kitchen. Right, because I know they have a kitchen and classes. But, yeah, my understanding was it was a store open to the public because and you're also available in some buying clubs such as uh, Culture Club 101 in L.A. have some of your products. Yeah, yeah, Culture Club. Uh, we work with several co-ops and buying clubs. Um, and lots of the uh, Western Price chapters have buying clubs, and, and we're working with several of those, too. Right. About how many buying clubs would you say you could find your product through? Um, we probably have, I'm going to say, I'm just going to venture to say 25 or 30 buying clubs, um, maybe a dozen co-ops around the country. Mm-hmm. And a in large, large co-op, Boise, the Boise co-op. Right, and so in your area, you can find it in the Whole Foods, like in the southern region? Right, um, southern region being Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. Um, Flor- well, Florida is their own region, but we're also in Florida. Uh, also, the bakehouses, the Whole Foods Market bakehouses um, in Houston and Aurora Colorado and uh, Medford up in the Northeast, they also use our sprouted flour to bake bread wow. that go out to the bake in the That's amazing. Whole Foods stores. Uh-huh. That's amazing. And in, can you find another like local food stores in, in Alabama and a lot in your area? It's, like, it's very common to find yeah. that. Yeah. Quite a quite a few in Alabama. Um, we also hope to be in the Earth Fair Earth Fair stores. Um, I'm, you know, we're we're in the new vendor process with them, and so hopefully that will come about in the next few weeks. Right. And how have you found the area that you're looking of Alabama as far as um, getting people there into the the health food and natural food? Well, I, you know, I wish I could say we're as progressive as some of the other areas in the country. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, the nice thing about Alabama is you have quite a few people who are growing growing a lot of their own food. You certainly have a lot even of land for that. Right. Even if it's just out in the backyard, you have lots and lots of farmer's markets. Um, and, you know, you'll see local farmers... Um, in small communities and then especially in small towns um, where otherwise people would have to, 
you know, travel to get to a large grocery store. And, for instance, where I am, the nearest Whole Foods market is two hours away. So, of course, you know, we have conventional grocery stores in our area, but, um, you know, to really get some fresh organic produce is kind of hard to do. So uh, we have a lot of CSAs in Alabama, um, and several of them organic or at least uh, chemical-free. So there are lots of ways to get, you know, good nutritious food without being close to, uh, you know, an organic grocery store. Right, and like you said, I mean, certainly Alabama, a different area than California, but I have to say that, I mean... I think certainly what you're doing, I mean, you're one of the leaders as far as getting it um, to go more natural. So, and I mean, the thing is, I mean, there isn't any company in California, you know, that we have where we can get sprouted flour. I mean, us in West Nate Price, a lot of us, we get it from you. So I think certainly um, it's it's a different area, but I think what you're doing is certainly a sign that, that every area can go in this direction, no matter where in the country. We're all concerned about health. And that I mean, sure. and that you and that it, you can also um, give examples for for people in other kind of files. So we have to take a short break for our sponsor, but we will be back with Peggy Sutton of To Your Health. Wise Traditions Conferences bring a world of nutrition information to the health professional and health conscious consumer, and the conference meals and exhibit hall reflect our dietary principles. Join us this September 15th to 16th, Buffalo, New York, for our second regional conference, or November 9th to 12th in Santa Clara, California, for our 13th annual international conference. Learn and grow in wellness. See more details on WestonAPrice.org. And we're back. I am interviewing Peggy Sutton of To Your Health Sprouted Flower. This is a sprout flower company based out of Alabama and Recently, she was telling me about the expansions where we'll soon be able to find it in more stores across the country. Um, and another new thing that I know recently in development with your company is your new processing facility. Tell us a little about that. Yes. Um, we have a large expansion going on, and we're really excited about it. As a matter of fact, um, my husband, Jeff, who works with me in the business, is over taking a look at the, the crew right now and seeing how far they've come along this week. Um, the new processing facility is going to be wonderful um, in several different ways. Uh, number one, it's going to increase our, our capacity so that we can um, continue to serve and open up our product to other, you know, large retail chains and, and businesses who would like to carry it. We're going to have a new certified gluten-free facility in the expansion. We're real excited about that. It will be a completely shut off and um, certified area for all of our non-gluten milling and packaging. Um, So we're very excited and we will actually be able to label our product gluten-free as opposed um, to now. Even though our grains are non-gluten, we do not advertise them as gluten-free simply because they are not certified and our current facility also uh, mills wheat. And I'm very careful about that because I know that there are people who have sensitivities um, and cannot handle the gluten. So we're very excited about the gluten-free facility. Um, It's also going to allow us to bring in our new milling system, which hopefully will uh, be coming across the water in a couple of weeks. Um, We're very excited about it because all of our products are whole grain products, Um, all of our flowers. We don't take anything out and we don't add anything. It's the whole grain product. And we've had several people who are, you know, trying to make the transformation from white flour baking to the sprouted whole grain flour baking. And you, depending on what you're making, you do have to um, make a couple of, of uh, changes to some recipes. Um, we've 
found because the whole grain flour more I think more than it just being sprouted I think the whole grain flour has a higher absorption rate so depending on what you're baking you may have to add um, more liquids than one of your favorite recipes calls for but with our new milling system uh, we're going to get a much finer flour it's still going to be whole grain we're not going to take anything out but we're real excited about the new system that's going to allow us to get a much finer grind um, and still keep our temperatures low which is one thing that most of our customers have a concern with. They always want to ask what kind of temperatures are you using in your process. And we, we never go above 95 degrees, and that is in the drying process. The, you know, our sprouting process is very controlled at a lower temperature, and our milling process is very controlled at a lower temperature. Our drying process is between 85 and 95 degrees. So for anyone out there who is concerned, um, our products are considered raw because we are using those low temperatures. So anyway, we're real excited about the new um, facility, and we hope to be in there hopefully maybe by the end of September. Oh, wow. So busy month ahead, certainly. And that's wonderful about having a separate processing facility for the gluten-free because I mean, that, there's always a thing that you certainly see on certain products where it says, you know, manufactured in a place that has this and this, and some people may have allergies to these. So that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah, and we will be able to label our products gluten-free. Um, so we're really excited about that. And now you're talking about um, the difference between cooking with the whole grain or baking with the whole grain versus the white flour. Do you think sprouted flour can be used in place of any recipe that requires white flour where it can be no white flour at all? It really can, and I'll tell you what. I love to bake. I have always loved to bake, and so I'm constantly trying recipes and converting them. And when I was talking about a higher absorption rate, um, it's it's very easy. I tell my customers, if you're making cakes and cookies and muffins or batter breads that have plenty of fat in them, then you can substitute sprouted flour cup for cup. If you're making a yeasted bread, a rule of thumb would be for every cup of sprouted flour you're going to use in that yeasted bread, because most of them are pretty low in fat then you would want to add an additional tablespoon of liquid. Um, um, For instance, if you're making French baguettes and your recipe calls for four cups of flour and a cup of water, and I'm just hypothetically speaking, then you would add four tablespoons or a quarter cup additional water and use sprouted flour instead of white flour. And another thing, our wheat flours, the red and the white, are a high enough protein flour to make fabulous breads. Um, You know, whether you're throwing it in a bread machine or if you're doing the hand kneading, which is what I call therapy, (laughs) and you're making baguettes or sourdough or rolls or whatever it might be. So it's just very easy very easy to convert from white flour to sprouted flour. And what are your, some, some of your favorite things to make with sprouted flour? Well, I, you know, I've always got fresh bread in the house, so, I, you know, I like, to make, uh, I like to make a lot of yeasted breads. Sometimes if I'm super busy and I need fresh bread, I'll just throw everything in the uh, bread machine and have fresh bread in about three hours. Um, Pound cakes. I do live in a rural community and there'd be a lot of people out there who understand this. I keep pound cakes everywhere. I keep them in in the house. I keep them in the freezer because you never know, you know, in the summertime, a lot of times we'll get a phone call from friends or family down the road. Hey, let's get together and have dinner tonight. Um, so you can always pull a pound cake out of the freezer. 30 minutes after it thaw, you know, to thaw, and it looks like you just baked it. 
And I will say this, that um, our sprouted brown rice flour, for those who are trying to stay away from gluten, makes a fabulous pound cake. So pound cakes are real popular, especially in the South, and who doesn't like a pound cake? So I make lots of them and pop them in the freezer just to have on hand. Well, I like it that you have a lot of dessert recipes for sprouted flour. I mean, the w- the website has a great list of things you can make with it. And also, I love how whenever you order it, it gives a little sheet of different recipes. I mean, I think that's wonderful for people that are using sprouted flour for the first time and wondering, what exactly can I make with sprouted flour? You know, there are only certain things. I think you give them such a great variety of all of these things can be made with it. Also, pizza crust, that's another great thing you can make with sprouted yeah, flour. That's my husband's favorite food is pizza. So um, pizza crusts are great. And, you know, and you can be very creative. You can throw in a little black bean flour or garbanzo bean flour to add a richness to the taste of your pizza crust or even or even your breads. Um, you know, I know I've heard from customers who uh, use the black bean flour as a meat extender. Well, I think that's a fabulous idea. Absolutely. So we are working. Yeah, we're working on trying to compile, um, I wouldn't say it's another ebook, but um, just a list of recipes and then categorize them. And hopefully in the next, maybe by the end of the year, we'll be able to put that on the website. So if you're interested in, in looking at all the cookie recipes or you need to find a good recipe for baking a cake or maybe making a, a lentil stew or um you know, a wheat berry salad, then you can pick and choose categories and then pick uh, a recipe that you'd like to try and actually print that individual recipe. Because I think it's just as important, you know, if, if I'm going to be able to offer this wonderfully nutritious product, then I certainly have to be able to help my customers use it and bake with it. So, um, to me, the education and the recipes are just as important as the product that I'm giving them to be able to eat better. I can't wait to see the ebook. I mean, that's great to see a number of these recipes. And I'd also say for people looking in some other recipes, on the blog network Real Food Media, many of the bloggers have recipes with sprouted flour and there's all kinds of mm-hmm. cookie recipes you can find there. And sure, I am looking for a cake one because... Um, my birthday coming up in a little, maybe about four months, a little less. Um, I am hoping someone can make me a uh, a sprouted flour cake with then real frosting, you know, just made from buttercream, not from any of that uh, you know, that processed yeah, colored stuff. Butter and <laughs> so I want, you know, some cream really, just made from butter. Does is in our August newsletter that will be out toward the end of this next week is featuring pound cakes now that I've talked about them. Um, but uh, I'm sharing some of my favorite recipes for pound cakes. Certainly. Well, you can that always great. slather some really good buttercream on one of those mm-hmm. and go for it. Certainly. Certainly I had some pound cakes growing up, so I know about how, how pound cakes are certainly a great food. <laughs> yeah. Now, another type of flour that I'm hearing a lot of people talk about is einkorn. And have you looked in, at all into einkorn flour? Um, you know, I have. I had a couple of customers. Uh, I, I've, I've seen some of the um, ads. I know a lot of the real food bloggers are into the einkorn. Um, and so I called a couple of my grain suppliers, and I'm, I'm waiting to hear back from them. Um, what I think is, and einkorn, again, is is what you would, would term an heirloom grain or an ancient grain. Mm-hmm. I think those two were probably interchangeable um, and I know it makes wonderful bread so we're looking into um, whether or not we can find it in a large enough quantity to be able to make it available okay well good well so certainly so, we'll yeah, for that I'm always yeah I'm always open um, to sprouting new things we we hope to with the new facility that that's going to give us an opportunity to um, to test sprout some additional um, items to be able to offer them. Um, I know we have tried chia 
seeds, and that is something that with our current sprouting process, we will not be offering, and also flax. Um, flax does not work well. So those would probably be two products I know um, that we would not be offering anytime soon, but I'm always open to other products. Uh, and einkorn is one, so I've, I've got some feelers out to some of my suppliers to see what kind of quantity that that's going to be available in. Um, because I can't offer it if I can't get it in a large enough quantity because if I, you know, if I have a small amount and, and put it on the website, then, you know, it's just frustrating for my customers if I, if I give out. And we, we had a similar situation where um, we put our rolled, sprouted rolled oats online and then three days later we had a major uh, equipment malfunction and I, I just had to simply pull them off of the website for a few weeks and I, I felt really bad about that but um, they're back on and and uh, we have a great oat roller so everything's okay. Well, that sounds great so certainly we can expect to see some different varieties and now you also sell both sprouted flour and sprouted grain was the difference between starting with the flour versus the grain? Um, well, the sprouted whole grain is has been sprouted and dried, um, but it just simply hasn't been milled. Um, so, if you want to mill at home, um, a lot of our customers who buy the whole sprouted grains are milling at home, and that way they have fresh flour every time they get ready to bake. Um, you can also cook most of our grains. The two sprouted grains that we offer that are not suitable for cooking uh, would be our millet, because it's unhauled, and our barley, which is also unhauled. Um, the dehulling process for millet and barley involve heat, so once that hull has been removed, it will not sprout. So it makes fabulous sprouted flour, but those are the two grains that are, are just not conducive to cooking, uh, not suitable for cooking and eating. And I know a lot of people use barley in soups um, and, you know, millet to make uh, salads. Uh, but other than that, all of our sprouted grains can be cooked. Uh, you know, our brown rice, our sprouted brown rice is very popular. We sell a lot of that uh, because it's such a popular side dish. And now it's sprouted, and most of the starch has been broken down, so it, it's just a real good energy food. Right, that's a good point, cause especially because there's been a lot, I know some talk recently about kind of the brown rice versus white rice because a lot of brown rice is not sprouted. So, you know, in, in response to that, for anyone you know, that read the article recently on Butter Believer that you're a company where you can get sprouted brown rice. And it's, it's different than, like, other, other brown rice that you'll see in stores. Um, yes. Um, you know, we, we do have the organic sprouted brown rice. And we used to carry just the long grain, and now we get the medium grain. And the biggest difference in that is if you're cooking, if you're cooking the sprouted brown rice uh, to serve as a, a side dish or to mix in a salad, um, it has... Uh, a fluffier uh, consistency, the medium grain. It's a little fatter than the long grain, um, so it's not as chewy. Right, and, and right, and but, yeah, and that was a specific request by a customer, and I said, "Well, you know what? I'm going to look into that." And sure enough, um, it's wonderful. Oh, that's great! And now another thing is when we order the sprouted flour, because you can get it as the grain. We order sprouted flour, as I understand, it's ground like right before, right before we receive it. It is. If you're if you're buying um, our flour on from any of the websites, from our website or you know, like I said, the other ones, we mill those orders twice a week. That's why you know. Um, we always say, please allow seven to ten days for delivery because if your order comes in on Monday through Wednesday, we're going to mill that Thursday and ship it either Thursday or Friday morning. So you're always getting fresh flour from our facility. 
um, we're not pulling it off a shelf that we have, you know, somewhere in a cold room in our facility. It's actually being milled fresh. Right, which is an important thing that, I mean, to start to use fresh flour, and that is a thing with some of these ones that you see in stores. You do wonder how long they've been on the shelf, which is another great advantage of a company is that it's, it's fresh ground when you order it. Right, right. So, you know, and I think that's a, it, it's a wonderful um, advantage that I can offer my customers who are buying it directly from us. And, and I would say the same thing for the buying clubs and the, uh, um, the co-ops that are ordering from us. Um, you know, we're milling that after the order comes in. It's not something that we're pulling from a chef to fill the order. Right. Well, Peggy, it's been great to have you. We don't have it. Yeah. Well, great, Erin. Thank you so much. This was um, quite a treat, and I've really enjoyed talking with you. And, uh, you know, I wish you well with this. This is a great show. Yes, well, it's been great having you. We've got to go to our desserts in a second. But before we go, please tell us where on the web we can find your site for your product. Okay. Our direct website is organicsproutedflower.net. You can also go to Amazon.com, culturesforhealth.com, and localharvest.org. All right, Peggy, it's been great to have you. And now we've got to go to our desserts, how to live appropriately in the upcoming week. As we're approaching the November elections with Proposition 37 for mandatory GMO labeling, foremost GMO expert Jeffrey Smith has a documentary about how GMOs are destroying our country's health. You can pre-order a DVD of it at geneticroulettemovie.com. Next, while the foie gras ban went into effect in July, some restaurants are still serving it, as the police departments across the state are saying they're not enforcing the law. A food truck known as Vizzy serves a foie gras slider. For a weekly schedule of where the truck can be found, go to their website at vizitruck.com. That's V-I-Z-Z-I-T-R-U-C-K.com. Animal rights activists are trying to stop them from selling it, so get the foie gras sliders while you can. And finally, as this month has been raugest for me, where I've been avoiding any pasteurized foods, a great place to get lots of raw dairy, from milk to cheese to even ice cream, is the Culture Club 101 in Pasadena. For more information on their store, visit cultureclub101.com on the interwebs. That's all for this week. Tune in next week, where my guest will be Stanley Fishman, author of the book Tender Grass-Fed Barbecues, where we talk about how to barbecue with grass-fed meat just in time for Labor Day. 